0: I'll ask you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6, Matthew chapter 7, let's actually go ahead and start reading in verse 1. Here's the some pages turning, so I'll give you time. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus said, Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say unto thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye. And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of, thine, out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now verse 6 says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under your feet, and turn again and rend you. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your blessings. Thank you for those that are here this morning. Uh, God, that uh, they have come together as one body to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray that you would guide our worship this morning. Uh, Lord, help us to direct our attention uh, and our attitudes and uh, all those things. Help us to direct it towards you and and your word and what you would have to say for us this morning. God, we're thankful for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. I pray that, uh, that he is magnified through what we say and do this morning. And I pray that our worship will be pleasing unto you. God, if there are issues that you need to address in our hearts today, uh, Lord, we do not want sin separating us from you. And so we pray that you would give conviction, bring us uh, to our knees before you, and help us, Lord, to uh, cast away anything that would separate us uh, from close fellowship and a close relationship with you. Lord, help us through what we receive today. Uh, Lord, help us to walk with you throughout the rest of this week. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, it's great to see everyone this morning. Uh, We're going to, again, be focusing on uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6. If I could get that volume turned down on the the pulpit mic, I'd appreciate it. Over the past couple weeks, we've been talking about judgment in the kingdom. That's one of those subjects that uh, we do not always enjoy listening to, but it's definitely one that Jesus found to be very important. And uh, so we've been talking about this judgment in the kingdom. Now we observe, first of all, that uh, that Jesus' simple command, judge not. We, We talked about what that meant, what it doesn't mean, uh, why that uh, we are not to be judgmental of others and hypercritical of other people, he then illustrated that command with uh, the moat and the beam. And he asked us, how can you have a beam in your own eye, and yet you're obsessing over uh, a tiny uh, speck of sawdust that's in the eyes of another person. And, uh, and so we went through that illustration. And the bottom line is that as citizens of the kingdom, we represent the king. And that's what I believe he's trying to get across to us, that as citizens of this kingdom, we represent the king. We represent him in our behavior. We represent him in our, our, our actions and all the things that we do. We represent him in our worship. We represent him with our money and with our possessions. We represent him in everything that we do. And God has, in and through his kingdom, he has given us the right to judge. But if we are going to judge through His kingdom, then it must be done in the right manner and in the right way, with the right attitudes. And so therefore, if we are to pattern our lives after Him, we must exemplify His love, His mercy, and His meekness towards others. Criticism, judgment, and condemnation are not acceptable in the kingdom of God. That's what we must understand. These things are not acceptable in the kingdom of God. And Jesus promises that we are going to be criticized with the same harshness with which we criticize others. Now, with that being said... We cannot jump from one extreme to the other. Although we are not to be hypercritical of other people, there is a proper place for righteous judgment. We're not to overlook sin or sweep bad behavior under the rug, especially among other Christians. We have a responsibility to one another through God's Word to correct wrong behavior and uh, to tell someone when we see them walking down a way that is not going to lead to life and, and to prosperity in the kingdom of God. We have a responsibility to keep the kingdom and the church pure, and so we do that through judgment. There are times when we have a responsibility to confront and correct sinful behavior by the Word of God, and yet Jesus gives us a requirement for this type of judgment. He says first we are to confront and correct our own sins, is what we find in verse 5, and once we have confronted and corrected our own sins, then we are able to see clearly enough to help others with their issues and their problems in life. Now, all of that brings us to verse 6. We read all of this, and then we seemingly jump into this proverbial statement that he makes in verse 6. He says, "...Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under your feet, and turn again and rend you." And that is where we're going to camp out this morning. Let's talk about uh, what this verse means. Now before we get started, I I want to uh, just go ahead and say, this is one of those verses that I, even when I would read this verse, I would be like, yay, Jesus, yes, you meant something here, I'm just not really sure what it is. It's one of those statements that you're you're reading through and you're going, judge not, but be not judged, amen, hallelujah. You know, we go on, uh, you first got to move the remote out of your own eye, and then you can get the remote out of the, uh, the, the beam, out, or whatever that is, out of the other person's eye, whatever they got in their eye. And, and i yes, yes. And we get to this one, I'm going, what? All right, what did you mean by that, Lord? Because I, I don't get it. So what we usually do is we'll just jump from here, and then we'll say, okay, Lord, you meant something by that, and we'll move on to uh, ask, seek, and knock. We love that one, don't we? And I, even I, when I was studying for this message, I realized that verse 7 was one that we had not touched on, and I prayed, Lord, if it's your will, can we just move on to ask, seek, and knock? Because I don't know what this is talking about. And, uh, of course, he, he didn't let me do that. He meant this. He said this for a reason. It means something. And so we must dig in and find out what it is that he's talking about here. And So that's where I want to put our focus today. Now, we're going to approach this verse from a couple of different aspects. And the first aspect that I want us to, uh, to approach it from is, is the aspect of its context. When you're studying God's Word, and especially if you come across a verse that just really doesn't make a lot of sense, or you just really can't pull a lot out of it, sometimes what you have to do is you have to approach it from its context. Uh, before we start, let's get a better understanding of what he means here by the dogs and the hogs. I, what, what is he talking about here? Well, let's get a better idea. Now, first of all, I have to say that in our society, this is a little difficult for us to understand because dogs have almost reached human status with us. We clothe them. <laughs> we bathe them. We sleep with them. We manicure them. You know, some of us, our dogs have better fingernails than we do. You know, they have reached a human status. Now, listen, you murder a person, you'll get free room and board for the rest of your life. You kick a dog and you'll be shot right there on the spot. There's no no questions about it. Uh, You know, they've reached uh, this status. But what we have to understand is that in Jesus' society, dogs were a menace to society. To have a dog or be called a dog was not really a compliment. Now, it is with us because they get better treatment than we do, but in his day this was a cut down to be called a dog. They were viewed as being violent. They were ravenous beasts. And so you didn't walk around and see dogs laying up in people's houses, things like that, because they stayed away from them. They were vicious. They were, uh, they were ravenous. And, uh, and so they stayed away from them. A dog was a uh, it was not a compliment. It was a cut down. So in, to take holy meat and what's what he's probably talking about here is meat that has been dedicated to God. Meat that would be used for a sacrifice. To take that meat and give it to a dog, that would have been just completely absurd. You didn't even throw your table scraps to the dogs. you understand what the dogs were in society there? And so you didn't take that which is holy and throw it to the dogs. You didn't take anything that was of value to you and throw it to the dogs. Now, Dogs get steak, and prime rib. Man, if I was a dog today, blessings. My wife would love on me more if I was a puppy, wouldn't she? <laughs> Now listen, uh, hogs were also not very highly respected among the Jews in that day either. They were considered unclean. They were worthless. uh, The Jews didn't even eat hogs. And so they they wanted nothing to do with swine or or hogs. So to throw something as valuable as pearls to a hog, that also would have been uh, absurd because that is a complete waste. Why would you take something of value and throw it to a pig, throw it to a swine, because it's just a complete waste of, uh, of the things that you have. And so in studying these verses, you know, I begin to think about what Jesus is talking about here. Okay, we've got dogs that are viewed as scum of society. We've got swine that were unclean, and, and they wanted nothing to do with. And then Jesus says, don't cast uh, you know, that which is holy to the dogs, and don't cast your pearls before the swine. What is he talking about here? And so in studying these verses, I read several commentaries, and tried to get a grip on what Jesus was saying here. And I want to go a couple, through a couple of these ideas with you here quick, and then I'll uh, get back to where we are. Now, as I was reading and studying on this, uh, one of the first things I found was that many were suggesting this was in reference to the gospel, that we need to be careful who we share the gospel with. Now, whether or not we believe that, that's definitely what we practice, is it not? We're very careful with who we share the gospel with. We'll we'll look around and we'll say, well, they got too many tattoos. Uh, This one's, uh, oh, I'm not talking about that one. And we'll look at this one and say, well, they might not smell very good. Or this one gets on my nerves or that one over there. And so what we do is we already naturally we start picking and choosing who we're going to share the gospel with. And so many of, you know, many of the commentaries suggested that that's what it's saying here. That they didn't go that far. They weren't saying to be discriminatory uh, in who you should the gospel with. But they were saying that uh, you know, if somebody is going to reject the gospel, then you don't take the gospel to them, and, and this or that. And, and as I was reading this, it, it really bothered me because if I take that, if that's what this means, then I have to throw a whole bunch of other stuff out the window, don't I?
1: Right. You know, the, the
0: Bible says, uh, to go ye therefore to all nations. Right. Right. Go ye therefore where? Uh, all. all nations. There's another place in Mark where he says, Preach the gospel to who? Every creature. Every creature. Everybody. You get over to John chapter three sixteen. it says, For God so loved who? The world, the world. The world that he gave his only begotten son that who? whosoever believes on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right. You get over to Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, to me that means whosoever, right? And so I don't have the right to go through and say, well, I'll you know, share the gospel with this and with that person and if they won't listen or, or you know, I'm just not even going to try to talk to them about it. We, we can't go through and pick and choose who's going to hear the gospel. And so we really have two choices. Either God meant what He said or He didn't. And I choose to believe He meant what He said.
1: You know, it's one of those things that
0: uh, I love about these verses that, we, that I brought up. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the really cool thing about that is, is you can't take a Greek lexicon and, uh, and dig into those words and find really anything else special about that. When he said whosoever, he really meant whosoever. When he said all, he really meant all. That's what he meant. Every time he said that, that's what he meant. All who will call upon him shall be saved. And so who should we share the gospel with? Everybody. Share it with all. Now, some did suggest that although we should share the gospel with all, that we should wisely turn away from those who refuse to hear the gospel. Now I could go with that. You know, I, I was able to, to to go along with them on that because I believe we find places where Jesus, although he would share it with everyone, he would go in and if they rejected the gospel, he would soon turn away and begin sharing the gospel with someone else we find the same with paul he would go into a city and uh he would always go to the jews first every time he went to a city he would go to his people to the jewish people and he would present the gospel and if they would not believe he would spend some time with them but if they absolutely rejected the gospel what he would do is he would turn and he would go to the gentiles instead and so he wasn't pouring and wasting all of his effort on those who refused to believe the gospel, if, if they got to a point where they would not hear anymore and he, he saw that he was making no headway, he would go work on people that would listen. Right. I was, I've been reading a book here lately and I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it, but... Uh, But the book that I'm reading is is that uh, it, it places people in the different categories of how they receive the gospel. And what this book ultimately is trying to bring us to the conclusion is that there are people who will absolutely reject the gospel. But if you will look at that statistically, the number of people who hear nothing about the gospel, even though they're the loudest, they are much, much, much smaller than the group who are willing to listen and to talk about and discuss the gospel. But what we do is is we look at the fact that there are people who are very loud about not wanting to hear the gospel and so we just shut our mouths to everybody about it. And that creates, I believe, a a big problem because... Uh, from what I find in scripture our job is to share the gospel with all those that we can but I I could go along with that that uh, you know if you're sharing the gospel with someone and they just will not listen they will not uh, you know they won't accept what you're bringing then you turn and you go invest time into others but even with this interpretation there was one thing that kept bothering me about this verse and that is the context now the context It's just simply talking about where this verse fits into the text, where it fits into Scripture. Jesus didn't say these words behind the Great Commission. He didn't say, Go ye therefore into all nations and and preach the gospel to every creature and then discriminate between who you're going to share the gospel with and and who you're not. That verse didn't come out after the Great Commission. It did not come after John 3.16, that he died for all, but don't give that which is holy to the dogs and and uh, don't cast your pearls before the swine. And so I kept looking and kept looking for how this verse would fit into gospel. Where does the gospel fit into this? Where are these ideas coming up about the gospel? And so I looked behind. I couldn't find anything about the gospel. I looked before and I couldn't find anything about sharing the gospel. And so I began looking, what was Jesus talking about? Where were these verses placed in Scripture? And so what I did find is that just before... This verse, we have an entire teaching on judgment in the kingdom. He says, judge not, lest you be judged. You will be judged with the same judgment you give to others. Don't try to fix other people's eyes when you've got eye problems yourself. And he goes through this whole teaching, and then he says, take not that which is holy, or give not that which is holy to the dogs, and cast not thy pearls before the swine. And so, really, when we look at it in its context if it's better to read this verse in light of what he has just said, and what he's just said is judgment in the kingdom. And so that's how we're going to approach these verses this morning. This is not talking about keeping back the gospel from some and sharing it with others. This is talking about how we judge, how we approach people and correct people uh, from this kingdom perspective. Now that takes us to the next thing, and that is the command in verse 6. Now in verse 6, let's look again at what he says. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 6, "...Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearl before the swines." That is is His commandment here. Now what Jesus is teaching here is that we are to have discernment in judgment. That's really kind of a mouthful because discernment is technically making a judgment call. And so what He's saying is, in this kingdom, as you operate in judgment, He says, use judgment before you judge to be discerning before you judge. We are to make wise judgment calls when it comes to confronting the sins of others. I learned a long time ago from much wiser men than I am to choose your battles. There are some battles that are just not worth fighting. You're not going to get anywhere with them, and the only thing you're going to do is cause more harm by approaching uh, those those things or those people, and so I've I've learned to pick my battles. There are times when confrontation is helpful, and there are times when it just isn't. As pastor, one of my responsibilities is, if I see someone that is walking in a way that is contrary to God's Word, or I see someone that is lacking uh, in their attendance or in their involvement in the church, things like that, Part of my responsibility is to go and put encourage that person in. And if there's something wrong, I am to address that and say, listen, this is wrong. You know, just, you've got to bring this back on in, you know. And so I'll go and I'll talk. But there are times that even if I go, I dread, listen to me, dread going to some people. Because I know there is no adult conversation that's going to take place here. We are not going to be able to sit down sensibly and discuss what's going on because they are not going to hear sound judgment. Amen. Right. They are not going to listen to any correction because everything they do is already right. right. Anybody ever know somebody about like that? Right. And so I you know, there are times when what I'll just do is I'll just pray about it for a long time. You know. <laughs> and sometimes God does a whole lot better job of confronting those issues. And if he leads me to go, I'll go and I'll talk to him. But there are some people that uh, sometimes you do more damage to them by confronting because they're too immature to take it than you do by going in and trying to give sound judgment to them. Right. Just as it is unprofitable to throw holy meat to the dogs or precious pearls to the pigs, it is often a waste of valuable time and effort to give righteous counsel to A fool. That word fool is an interesting word in the Bible. It's used quite a bit in Proverbs. And the word fool refers to somebody who lives as if there is no God. In other words, it's a person who lives as though they are God. I make the rules for my life. I am righteous, therefore everything that I do is right. Every choice that I make, if it fits me, that's what it's supposed to do. And that is a foolish, foolish person. I want to read you a couple of Proverbs about people like that. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8 says this, Reprove not a scorner. The word reprove means to correct or to confront. It says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Let's turn that around backwards. He says, If you'll go to a wise person and give correction and counsel, they'll love you for it. But he says, You go to a fool or a scorner, and they'll hate you for what you're trying to do in their life. Anybody ever been burned like that? Oh, yeah. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. I love that statement. I haven't done anything wrong. And my reply inside to them is, You are a fool. Because God's word says, we've all sinned. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkens to counsel is wise. Proverbs 17 says, A reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. What that means is, some people are so dumb that even a beating ain't going to help them. You can give one word of reproof to a wise man and that's going to do much more than beating someone to death with what they've done wrong because they're just not going to listen. Last one, Proverbs 23, verse 9 says, Speak not into the ears of a fool for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Bottom line is some people are just not going to listen to wisdom. Wisdom. Now, I do not believe that Jesus is saying that we should never attempt to address or share counsel with certain people, yet we must be careful not to exhaust our time and energy into pouring wisdom into a full cup. You see, the problem and the reason why a fool will not listen to counsel is because they're already full. They're already full of foolishness. They're already filled with themselves. And so you can't pour anymore into a cup that's already full. So what has to happen first is that person first has to be emptied of themselves before they can be filled with what is right. And so what he does say is, yes, you are to correct. Yes, you are to reprove. Yes, you are to confront. You do all those things. But he says, use discernment when you do, because some people are not going to take it. Some people you'll be wasting your time with. Again, I don't think he's saying that that we should just skip over them, but when it comes to the point that we realize all we're doing is just hitting a brick wall with them, turn and share that wisdom with someone else that will listen. Let me say this. If that person is you, if you are the brick wall,
1: If people who love
0: you are spending time and energy trying to share wisdom and truth with you, but you refuse to listen, I want you to watch out. Watch out. Because Proverbs 10.8 says, The wise in heart will receive commandments. They'll listen to wisdom and go on to life. But a prating fool will fall those ways that you think are right, those those things that you haven't done anything wrong in, the, the attitudes that you justify, all those things, eventually they are going to bring you down. Pride goeth before fall, and a haughty spirit, prideful spirit before destruction. Now, on the positive side of this, I believe that Jesus is encouraging us to share righteous counsel and to share pearls of wisdom with those who will listen. It's easy to read this and get discouraged and say, well, there are people that aren't going to listen anyway, so why should I even try? But I think as we read this, He deals with the, positive side, with the negative side of this, but He does that to emphasize the positive side, that there are people who are not like dogs, who are not like swine, who are, who are going to value what you're giving And he says to invest yourself in those people. Listen, there's a process here. First of all, he tells us to refuse to be hypercritical of other people. Second of all, he says to take a deep examination of self and ask God to remove the obstacles of sin in our own life. We find that in verses 3 through 4. And then he says, when you can see clearly, then assist those who will listen. Investing into them the holy and precious truths of the kingdom. That's what we find in verses 5 and 6. So what we see is that verse 6 is not somehow disconnected or doesn't sit off by itself somewhere. Verse 6 is connected with verse 5, that once we have dealt with the issues in our own lives and we are in a proper place where we can correct others, then we have the right way to go about doing that. We do it in humility and we do it understanding that there are going to be some that we're going to waste your time with, but there are going to be some who will listen and some who we're going to see great rewards come through investing into those people. The focus has been on the fact that fools will not listen, but the same verses say that some people will. And those are the ones that those are the ones that they're the reasons why we do this, are they not? They're the reasons why we spend so much time and why we invest so much teaching and talents and all these things into those people is because some of them are going to get this and some of them are going to go on to live for the kingdom of God. And that's why we do what we do. That leads us to the last and third thing. Can I hear amen on that one? Amen. Yes, let's get done with this. The concern at the last part of verse 6. He says, He says, Let's read verse 6 again. Uh, He says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before the swine. Okay, we've dealt with that one. Why? Lest they trample them under your feet and turn again and rend you. Let me ask you a question. How do you know if you're dealing with a dog or a hog? How do you know if you're dealing with a fool? I'll tell you. You know that you're dealing with a fool because fools will hurt you. When you share wisdom with a fool, they'll hurt you every time. When you invest into a fool, they're going to hurt you every time. The last part of this proverb is probably in reference to the hog itself. Anybody ever dealt with hogs, raised hogs, spent time with hogs. That was fun, wasn't it? Yes. I want you to imagine, even if you've never done that, I want you to imagine that you've gone out to feed a hog. What do you know about hogs? Hogs love to do what? They like to water in the mud, but they like to eat, don't they? Yeah. And uh, they can't actually uh, at times be picky about what they eat. Now imagine that you've just gone out to feed a hog and Mixed in with his food, you have sprinkled a few pearls among the the food that you cast out for him. Now the hog, as he begins to eat, he's too foolish to understand the value of what he has just received. And so what he will do is he will quickly spit out those pearls and stomp on them in derision. He will trample them underfoot. And then if you're not careful, and if you're standing too close, he may turn his fury towards you next. What will they do? When you share with them things of value and things of principle and things of righteousness and truth, they will trample them underfoot and then they will turn again towards you and rend or tear you apart. There are some people, listen, who are too foolish to understand the pearls of wisdom that you are trying to share. And so you have beat yourself over the head. You have beat them over the head. You have exhausted yourself. You have... Talk to them till you're blue in the face. You have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And what Jesus is saying is sometimes you just have to turn from them and go invest in someone else. Now, does that mean you stop caring for them? Absolutely not. Does it mean you stop loving them? No. Do you stop praying for them? No, because God can break the heart of stone. So if you're going to invest, you invest prayer, but go share with someone who will listen. Don't take someone under wing and and share wisdom with someone who is going to take and receive and understand and, and value what you're giving to them. There are some who are too foolish to understand. And when you share that wisdom, sometimes they're going to spit them out as soon as you share it. Sometimes they'll spit at you. So we must use discernment. In this proverb, Jesus shares with us the wisdom of moving on from such people and, again, investing in those who will listen. Listen, I want to share some wise counsel with you this morning. I'll let you decide whether you're going to be a fool or if you'll be wise. Let me share something with you this morning. God is real. He is the creator of all life, the creator of all that exists. This God is holy and righteous and just. Now, let me tell you something else about God. God loves humanity. God loves people. He loves all, but all have sinned. Now, all have sinned, and God loves all, but that brings us to another thing about God, is that He is just. And because he is just, he cannot overlook sin. That means that he has to pour wrath out upon it. Sin has to be punished. Now what this God, who has created all, who loves all, what this God has done is, because all have sinned, he made a way for all to come back. What he did is he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was made in the image and likeness of man, and Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross. Now, the book of Romans says, in Adam all died, but yet so in Christ, all will be made alive. Amen. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all sinners. That means that if you will turn away from your sin, if you will turn to the true living God by faith and repentance to where Jesus Christ, you can receive his gift of salvation that's poured out by His grace and His love towards you. Now listen to this. If you have received this gift, understand that this is the most precious gift you could ever receive. Right. That this life, this relationship with God, is it, it's more important than anything that could ever go on in your life. It's more important than sports. It's more important than activities. It's more important than school. It's more important than education. It's more important than, than anything there that you could possibly ever attain. It is the most important thing. Amen. You. Right. you will spend time with God and develop that relationship, God wants to use you for His honor and glory. He wants to put you into a church where your gifts and your talents and, and where you can be used to influence people in your community, He wants to use you in that community to share the gospel with all those that you come in contact with. God wants to use your life through the relationship that you have with Him. But listen, if you reject His Son, if you turn away from Christ and refuse the gift that God has given there is a punishment for that. That place is called hell. And you will spend eternity in hell because of your rejection of Jesus Christ. If you have received Christ as Savior, and yet you reject the relationship that you now have with the Father. If you neglect this great salvation that he has given you, although you will be tried and your salvation will stand, you will have given up and neglected the most valuable thing you could ever have experienced. And that is a close relationship with God through which you are enjoying fellowship and through which he is. Using you to affect and to touch the lives of others. Now, this is wise counsel. If you find yourself straying away from God, you need to come back.
1: If at this point you have
0: never trusted Christ to save you, you need to come to Him today. Because one thing we do find in Scripture is that life is brief. Perhaps God has spoken to you in some way. Maybe you're the person that someone has been trying and trying and trying to break through, and God finally got a hold of your heart this morning and said, you need to listen to what they said. You need to listen to the counsel they've given. Maybe you are one who has rejected and rejected and rejected the gospel, trying to get to heaven some other way. But you realize this morning that he is the way to truth and life. That there is no way to the Father but through him. When you come to trust Christ today, Maybe you realize that God has a place for you in His kingdom. He has a place for you where He wants you to work and, and, uh, and strive uh, together with the body and, uh, and, and reach the community that's around us. Will you listen to how He guides your heart this morning? Whatever it is that God is speaking to your heart about, I just simply ask that as His Word has been presented and as His Spirit has convicted, that you would just simply respond this morning. Act on that. Be obedient to the call of God today.